Welcome to Just a Parishioner. I'm Lorenz Zaragoza. I'm Sean Greeley. Thanks for downloading today's episode. And don't forget to subscribe. These episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We have a great show for you today. Uh, we do have a new parishioner profile coming up, Sean. So uh, again, for any new listeners who don't want don't know what a parishioner profile is, why don't you uh, give them a little idea of what it is? Yeah, so I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about today has to do with uh, our identities and particularly our identities in the framework of Christ and Christian living. Um, and, you know, we live in a time of, you know, a lot of people are very confused about what identity is and how to identify ourselves and, you know, what do we label ourselves and how, how, what should we pursue as a result of all of that. And I think today's profile, um, our, our illustrious guests that'll be joining us, she'll be able to highlight just the way that Christ kind of lit up her, life and let her come to know herself. So I'm very excited to hear the story and to uh, be able to share it with the greater public here. Use a lot of big words there. Watch your mouth. Illustrious. <laughs> uh, if you know anybody who would be great for a parishioner profile, definitely connect with us on social media. We are on Instagram at just a parishioner. You can reach us on facebook.com slash just a parishioner. And you could also shoot us an email. We are parishioners at gmail.com. So connect with us in those ways. But again, we have Rose Hasselbauer with us to give us her parishional profile. So Rose, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, long time coming. I know we spoke about this. We spoke about this probably in 2020 when we talked to you that we were going to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, hey, you know, down the road, you know, we definitely want to have you on to share your parishional profile. We, we weren't calling it that at that time. We didn't have a name for it. Um, but that in my mind, it was like, okay, that seems like years down the road, but here um, we are. And here we are. <laughs> Since that day, Rose just woke up every day hoping to get a text. Hey, want to come on the podcast? <laughs> exactly. I know that you've been, uh, she, actually, she actually hasn't slept until tonight. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, you know, the parishional profile, it's everybody's journey of faith to, to bring them to where they are today, always starting from the, from the beginning. So I always ask, uh, what was your faith life growing up, you know, from the beginning? Yeah, so I was, well, I guess to backtrack, I was born in Korea, and then I was adopted when I was a baby. I came over to the States when I was five months to the day, so I remember nothing. Um, I know nothing um, besides, like, how to say hi, and that's about it. Um, but growing up, you know, my parents, they put my brothers and I all in Catholic school, um, so I was in a uniform since, I think, age three. Uh, we went to church together every Sunday. I would be squished between my two brothers in the car. And, and then as we kept growing older and kind of understanding what was going on, um, being able to understand the message a little bit more, going to those family masses, um, and then just kind of learning about the faith in terms of uh, the basics of going to a Catholic Catholic elementary school of who is God and sort of what is his purpose in our life. Um, but even then I just kind of was, I was just learning. I was just absorbing it all. It didn't really mean that much to me. I knew that God was this cool, great person um, who sent Jesus down, but it, it didn't really strike um, in the way that it would, you know, understanding my faith now. Um, and then I went to Catholic high school after that. I went to Kellenberg. Um, so maintain those school colors of blue and gold, maintain the uniform life. But it was during my time in high school that I really started to 
connect with my faith in terms of campus ministry-based things. There were a lot of after-school activities and clubs where um, faith was brought into it. Um, Kellenberg is known for their acronyms, so I was involved in SALT, which was Service, Allegiance, Leadership, and Teamwork. I was in CROSS, Christians Reaching Out, Spreading Spirituality, right, PrEP, Parish, Religious Education Program, right, all of those acronyms, and they were all um, religious-based, service-based. I really enjoyed that environment of growing in faith with other people my age and from the other grades, um, and really understanding where is God in, in our life. You know, faith has always been part of my life, especially having older siblings who, who were involved in those things too. They were in a lot of the, um, I guess, m matching clubs at, at their school. So being someone who looks up to my older brothers, I definitely wanted to be involved in those things as well. Um, kind of following their footsteps and um, a lot of the people in terms of the religious life at Kellenberg, they already knew who I was because of Eric and Dan. So I kind of had that name to, to keep carrying. And so it kind of helped me in, in some ways in, in growing in faith and growing as a person and you know identifying as a Catholic. Um, but also it kind of looking back, reflecting back, it's was that my own Catholicism, right? Was that my own spirituality and faith living out? And it definitely was to a capacity, but it was sort of the beginning of where am I going from here? One of the activities I really liked was uh, after Hurricane Sandy happened, right? There was a lot of homes that needed needed rebuilding. So we actually came here to Long Beach um, to rebuild a house. I don't remember where, um, but it was called the St. Joseph's Mission. And so we paired up with Chaminade and um, we helped rebuild homes through Habitat for Humanity. And I really loved service. I liked I've always liked being able to put my faith in action. My mentality has always been do and, and only speak when, when, I, when I need to, um, because my actions will always mean more than whatever words I have. I mean, that, I think that goes for everybody, but to have a realization of that at such a young age, and I say it at such a young age, because I can tell you right now, when I was in high school, that was the last thing that was going <laughs> through my mind. Yeah. It was not, how can I help other people? I was... Personally, I just wanted to help myself. Yeah, I don't think I'm alone with that. I was just trying to stay awake until lacrosse practice after <laughs> school. Oh, I mean, that was me too, 100%. Yeah. But um, I definitely did like that aspect of, of giving back to others. What's funny is that during Sean's personal profile, you know, one of the one of the moments he talks about was service, but especially Hurricane Sandy because uh, he's a couple of years older than you, obviously, mm -hmm. but he was uh, in Hofstra. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first mission trips that he did was actually down here in Long Beach. So again, as a hometown Long Beach guy, uh, on behalf of my city, you know, props to both of you, and you know, thanks for coming down and helping the community. So yeah. that's that's great. Um, so that was uh, that was throughout high school, you know, getting your feet wet early and often, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so keep going. Yeah. So then senior year, I was applying for my colleges. Um, and I was between Adelphi and St. John's. Adelphi, even though it was a public college, they had the really strong Newman program, uh, which my brother was involved in. And so I knew people there already. St. John's, I didn't really know anyone. So it was kind of the battle of, do I go the route where there's no one or where there's that sense of comfort, even if it's just for one year where he's a senior and I'm a freshman. Um, and ultimately it, it came down to St. John's just felt right, you know, and then also, it was 
kind of that challenge and that that challenge that I wanted to meet of this is some place that no one knows me. So I can kind of identify myself and create that myself. Going into freshman year, right before freshman year begins in August, they have a volunteer program, a service trip just for the incoming freshmen um, called the Rondu Service Experience after uh, Rosalie Rondu. So I did that and that was my first introduction to sort of college campus ministry. And it was a nice way to meet other freshmen who were, had the same interests as me um, and being there, being involved and um, I met some of my lifelong friends there, and then I was involved in a scholarship program where, called the Catholic Scholars, where we had to be involved in campus ministry. We took specific courses taught by certain professors, um, and we had to be involved in church music ministry or lecturing, Eucharistic minister, something like that. It sounds like to this point, it's like Catholic upbringing, Catholic high school, involved in service stuff in high school, went to Catholic college, immediately off the bat, wanted to involve yourself in the service and involved in the Catholic scholars program. Like on a very surface level, it's just like, man, Rose is like the picture of what you would want out of like a Catholic growing up, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, I, I think that faith and life, it's its always an up and down. Um, and so even on the surface, if we look like we're the picturesque Catholic, um, there's always so much more going on. Um, St. John's, they do these service trips um, and they're throughout the States and they have international ones as well. So freshman year, I went to Philly. Sophomore year was Greensboro, North Carolina. Junior year, I did a different trip through uh, student affairs to a place in Florida. And then senior year, I ended off with going to Lourdes in France. And then my first year of grad school, I went to Tuba City, Arizona. That's good. I mean, you know, because when we were talking about your personal profile too, Sean, these, these opportunities to not just help out locally, but going abroad, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to other states and seeing what the, and I put this in quotes, but culture is in yeah. North Carolina, but it is a different culture. It's a different way of life. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's a different place to evangelize. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I think that opportunity in itself is, is just pretty awesome. And, and it's something that I didn't get to experience ever really. Yeah. I mean, in college, I know, you know, you and I both did a lot of service in college mm-hmm. and I would just take this moment to encourage anybody who's listening, whether you are a parent or have a sibling or a cousin who is like approaching college or in college, or if you yourself are in high school or college, like look for those opportunities, especially through your campus ministry, um, if they exist, because they're the most valuable times and you're not going to have a whole lot of opportunity after you get out of school to do them. So just a little side advertisement for service trips and service projects, get it, get after them and get involved with them while you can. So obviously extremely heavily involved in these missions and and these service Mm -hmm. projects. I'll ask you, is there one that stood out in particular that, that you look back on? It's like, that was something special that that's something that I'll, you you probably won't forget any of them, but this one in particular, I'll never forget. Yeah. So I'm, I'm split between two. Um, The first one is junior year when I went to the one that wasn't even through campus ministry was called give kids the world in Florida. It's like, 10 minutes away from Disney, um, but Give Kids the World Village, I say, is the happiest place on earth. Forget Disney. Give Kids the World is the best place. Um, And it's for people, for kids, Make-A-Wish kids and Make-A-Wish families, and they get a stress-free, cost-free week um, to get their wish granted. And um, 
give kids the world village is where they can stay for the week while they get their wish. Hmm. Um, and it's the most hopeful, joyful place ever. And um, as a volunteer, we all know why the families are there. But for that week, you forget that anything is wrong. Um, and you just see these kids that are so happy to, to be alive, to um, experience, you know, going away, not having to stress or worry about a doctor appointment. Or I'm something. just getting chills thinking about it. It's yeah. unbelievable. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm it's, tearing up, so we experienced uh, this differently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was definitely one of the most beautiful trips and also challenging trips because we all know kids have no filter whatsoever. Right. They just say things. Um, so there were definitely those moments where a, a kid would say something and you have to kind of compose yourself and kind of step back, kind of suppress it for a little bit, and then later on you can go for a walk or whatever you need to do. But that was really special, just being able to see the joy of, of those families. Because the trip isn't just for the wish kid. It's for that whole family. Because it's such a stressful oh, time for them all. I can only imagine, yeah. right? Um, and, a, and a great memory. Too, yeah. Oh, 100%. You know. One of Jeez. the beautiful parts of the, the, the village um, is they call it the Star Castle. So every wish kid gets a little star. They write their name on it and goes into the quote-unquote galaxy and so families can come back at any time to find their wish child star. Wow. You got to stop talking now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> What's the second trip? Yeah. The second trip. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I love give kids. Tell um, us this one's like a leper colony or something. <laughs> <laughs> the second one was Lords. Yeah. Um, Granted, that like because I'm like I'm crying right now. The, the, the joke in this family is like, uh, you know, Katie, my wife, always says, you know, you have some families where like kids will say, I've never seen my dad cry. But I know that my girls down the road be like, my dad cried like three times since we walked into this building right now. So I cry a lot, granted. But like, I mean, I, I don't blame myself for this one. But that's that's awesome. But yeah, let's talk about Lords. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lords, I ended, you know, undergrad going on that trip. Junior, senior year of college, you know, as we kind of said before, on the surface it might look okay, but there might be other stuff going on. It was definitely kind of a, a rough time. Lords was... The first trip I took out of the States since coming into the States. Um, so that was a really cool memory. And um, Lourdes is just a beautiful place in, in every single way. One, it looks like Catholic Disneyland. It's so picturesque and, and beautiful. Um, but just everything that Lourdes stands for in terms of faith, in terms of healing, and, and that idea of family, even across borders and internationally, because um, as a volunteer, I was working in the piscines and the baths, and you have volunteers from all over the world, so I couldn't even really talk to the people I was working with, so we just had to pantomime things the entire time. Paint a picture of just a 30-second a elevator picture, elevator pitch picture of, uh, like, what did, what did you do working in the baths at Lourdes? Yeah, so... There's two rooms. There's the area where they change, so you might be holding up the cloth to maintain their uh, their dignity, their modesty. And then if you're working in the actual piscines, you're helping bring the pilgrim into the bath, into the waters. Um, and there's a whole process of how you have to hold them, turn them, um, the cloth that they have. There's Everything is so methodical, um, but so prayerful. Um, so... Each pilgrim who came in, it's it's a it's a new prayer, it's a new intention every single time, um, and just that idea of that intercession of God and and that healing is one of the most beautiful things that I've kind of ever experienced. I mean, between the Make a Wish Village and uh, 
lords, you're talking about people who in many ways uh, have no other hope but the joy that they're going to get from the place that they're going, you know? And I mean, with lords, the added hope that you'll get a miracle, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, just like two, I can't imagine two more powerful places off the top of my head, you know? All of my experience really sparked that idea of how am I going to give back and how does this affect me? And so service is a big part of sort of why I went down the route of declaring my major as theology and you know, going to grad school for that and now teaching religion. Um, and it really all stemmed from my experiences in, in service and campus ministry. Did, did you find yourself like, because I know I did at points when I was in school, being involved in Newman Club and things like that, but did you ever find yourself being pegged by people as like, oh, that's Rose, she's like super Catholic, you know? Oh, I'm sure that I did. Yeah, 100%. Um, and there were points where it's kind of like, uh, don't want just that image of me. And then there were other times where it's like, yeah, uh, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I own it, especially You know, I was an orientation leader for two summers and I was one of those ones who were helping bring in the freshmen like, hey, you should go to Rondu. You know, you should go masses, the biggest student student body gathering every every Sunday. So you should come. Um, And so there were points where I liked being, I guess, identified as that, that my identity was in being like that Catholic person on campus and and hopefully being some sort of model and faith um, along the way, even if it's just from something I said or, or did. And that follow-up, because I know I felt this way oftentimes, where, like, if somebody pegged me as, oh, Shawnee's, like, the Catholic guy, he's, like, Newman Club president, whatever. But in turn, Whatever. You know, whatever. I mean, whatever. I was the president. <laughs> What's the big deal, guys? I was the president for two years. So what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but then, like... I would think like somebody would be like, oh, like that, like Sean Newman Club, whatever. And I would be like, yeah, but that's not, that's not who I am. I don't feel like that's who I am, you know, or like I would have moments of like, I know that's who I am, but I, for some reason, I'm not acting like that, you know? Yeah, I definitely, there are definitely those moments all throughout college, throughout grad school, um, 100%, you know, that. Yeah, I'm that Catholic person, but I'm not just that Catholic person. Um, kind of that defensive mode going in that that's not just me. There's there's more. Also, I guess the 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 aspect of you know that's that's the identity, that's the label. But am I authentically living out that label too? Right? Are my actions reflecting reflecting that really truly and and fully? Um, and there are definitely a lot of moments where I've missed that mark. And so I think probably like tail end of junior year of college, some of, a lot of senior year, and then even the beginning of, of grad school, there was definitely, you know, I had that label and I had those, I guess you could say like accolades from it, but it wasn't really truly authentically there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as a college student, like think about how many pitfalls there are to, to fall into and how many temptations, not even just to do like crazy things and party or whatever it like might be stereotypically thought of, but just like having conversations with people that all of a sudden you find yourself not in church teaching and you're like, but I don't like, I don't want to seem like the weirdo who like backs up church teaching here or, you know, participating in a different student organization that doesn't align with your beliefs, be like, but my friends are in this and I don't want to seem judgmental. Like there's so many different things that 
you can just kind of fall into, even if you are trying to live out a faithful life, you know? Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk about grad school. Um, you know, you, you know, theology, what was it like taking those grad school courses in, in theology? A lot of my classmates were priests or seminarians or nuns. And then, hi, I'm Rose Hassebauer. And I, I think I'm in the wrong classroom. <laughs> they, they would try to um, kind of sometimes recruit me in. Oh, Rose, are you are you thinking about becoming a nun I'm like or a sister? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, sister. I just, I don't know if that's my calling. Well, it's not your calling. It's God's calling. Like This is like a sorority recruitment where they're all pursuing <laughs> the same girl, but it was just a whole bunch of nuns coming after you. Um, yeah, so it was definitely, it was, it was, uh, sounds weird saying that out loud. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was, it sounded weird listening to it, but, but Rose, but please it kinda, continue. It makes sense at the same time. Oh, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely a, a different atmosphere. It was, um, definitely more serious than, than undergrad. And I learned a lot and it also challenged a lot how I think and, and how I pray and how I view God and my faith. Um, because in studying especially at a Catholic university, we're studying the Catholic theology mostly and ecclesiology. And so as a person of faith, I'm, I'm trying to grow in faith through my studies, but it's also challenging that faith too, because you're seeing some of the flaws. And I was already kind of in a lower point in terms of my own faith and spirituality, and it kind of just added to it. I guess I just had a bad mentality with a lot of my faith coming from that undergrad program where I had to go to mass as part of my scholarship two days a week during the week. And then Sunday mass, I would drive in um, just for mass on Sunday. Um, when I came out of it, it wasn't a requirement anymore. And so now it's up to me to go for me. And I just kind of took a break from that after I finished undergrad. And I it was a lot longer of a break than I probably wanted it or, and should have been. Uh, but it was like a pretty much a two-year gap um, that I just, I went to mass on the major holidays, but I wasn't really going um, on your average Sunday um, just because it, I didn't have to anymore. And then it was just kind of that habit, that spiritual laziness in a way. Um, and it just kind of kept going from there. So it was just a whole compendium of, of, sort of bad things for my Yo, be careful with those big words. Lorenz doesn't like those. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to look up compendium later, for that's for sure. I can, I'll bring a dictionary. <laughs> Thank you know, so much. Just slide it across the table. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a combination of things that just had me in a sort of bad spot in my own personal life and especially in my faith life. Um, and I definitely felt kind of lost in the shuffle. So um, I wasn't making all the best decisions. I wasn't... Um, you know, respecting my parents in the way that I know that I ought to and they deserve to be treated and um, sort of sort of not showing myself that own dignity and worth as well. Um, and so I was just lost for, for a while. Um, but I kept going through it. I kept doing my studies. I was a grad assistant there. On the surface, you would never be able to tell that anything was going on. Was there, was there at any point, because it sounds like you were still volunteering and still you know, doing works, right? Because you said you were going during the major holidays, but any point when you weren't going to mass regularly, you were still volunteering and doing stuff for your community. Was there any part of you that said, you know, I don't, I don't think I need to go to mass because I'm still trying kind of helping the world here or, or, you know, I'm curious what your, what your mindset was at that point. Yeah. Um, I think 
I am very much the person who will rationalize things out to kind of make it fit. So there were mm. definitely those days where like, all right, well, I'm, I'm leading the program and I'm going to go to church with them. And like, you know, we're we're doing good acts yeah. and I'm helping bring other people closer to God. So I guess that means that I'm decently close to God. And so it's it's fine. I'm fine. I love the the, uh, the way you phrase that is perfect. Uh, like, because I think we all have a tendency to rationalize things that if we if we really search deep down, we know that it's not right. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the surface, and, and when I say the surface, I mean we could actually trick ourselves into thinking, you know what, this is actually okay. This is actually okay. And like you said, rationalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry to cut you off. I was no, just curious fine. about that. Yeah. So it definitely it was not a a, a healthy ass time of my life in terms of a lot of different things. And one day, Father Lachlan Cameron calls me. And he says, hey, Rose, how's it going? Um, The small quick talk. And he says, uh, my brother is the assistant principal at Archbishop Malloy High School, and they need a leave replacement for a religion teacher. Tuesday was the call. Wednesday, I went in and, and interviewed. And by the time I got back home from the interview, I had a voicemail saying, hey, can you call me back? We have our decision. Like that either went really great or really (laughs) awful. And there's no in between here. Um, And so I called him back and he said, you know, I think you're a great fit for the religion position. And um, we hope to get you involved with the retreats at at the school as well. So um, there's that potential for um, that renewed contract after. So um, the job is yours if you'd like it. So I was very excited. I was very thankful and appreciative. And then I met with the head of the department um, and he said that I'd be teaching this sophomore course called personal growth, Christian personal growth. How do you think you've grown as a teacher since since then? I guess the biggest thing that I've learned is that idea of that authenticity in my faith and that ownership in my faith. Um, and the time that I was home from quarantining uh, from March and so forth, um, it's been like leaps and bounds of, of growth in terms of my own personal life, my relationships and, and those aspects of healing. Um, and it's all still a work in progress. Everything's a work in progress, oh, absolutely, but, yeah. um, it's just gotten a lot, a lot better. And I'm very thankful for that time, right? There's always that silver lining in, in things in life. And so even though it has been a hard time, it's allowed me to grow and become a better person. Um, I mean, so like we, we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, this low point essentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you were in grad school or you actually weren't even going to mass anymore. And it sounds like, you know, you've just been growing more and more, you know, kind of a revitalized faith, if you will. Mm-hmm. Is there any, is there any turning point, you know, in between those times that said, you know, I, I got to get back, I got to get back to mass. I got to get back to the church. Yeah. I, I think those thoughts were there, but I still wasn't taking action in them for a mm-hmm. while. Um, and I think over the summer, it more so. And then at the start of this school year, um, something that I'm bringing up my mom again, mom knows everything. So well, when, when she hears this, she's yeah, great mom. Just she's great. great. Mom. <laughs> I love my mom. I love all my family, but mom, you're up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she said, um, you should start getting back to stuff, even from when I first started teaching, she said, students see through it, right? They see when you're just saying things, but you're not practicing them. Um, and so you should just try, 
try to get back. And as we all do, we ignore our moms. Um, or we listen, but we're really stubborn about it. We rationalize things out. And um, But at the start of this school year, I was like, okay, you know, I guess it's time to, to start listening and really heeding that advice because, you know, now this is the main job that I have. I'm not in grad school. I'm not as working as a GA. This is, this is what I have. Um, and so I need to, I need to fully be there. Right. Um, what it sounds like, and again, I'm just creating this narrative in my head and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, as, as we all go through, as we're kids, even through high school, if we're going to mass, even though some part of us might want to be there, we're going there because our parents are telling us to. And when, when the majority of the time, when we get into college, if we're going to mass, it's because we want to, and we're making a decision, but your scholarship was forcing you to go to mass essentially, right? This program you were in was forcing you to go to mass. And it, it sounds like when you, when you just got back to mass after mom told you so, but you know, it, it like it was one of the first times that you were going as, as an individual. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, this is my decision to go uh, for myself. Yeah. I, I mean, was there, was there any sense of that at all? And again, I don't want to no, you know, inception that at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, you're fine. I think, um, you know, there was definitely those parts where I'm stubborn and don't want to listen to mom and, um, don't want to go, but I know that I should. Um, but also, you know, I needed to change my thinking, right? You, you said before, right, they were forcing us to go to church. God is never forcing us to go to him. And so even though we have the label of the scholarship, it's still an invitation. And I stopped accepting that invitation. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to change that thinking of my faith is not a requirement. It's an invitation. And it's up to me to accept that invitation. And so after two years of not really going to church, I really only started going maybe the end of November. So it's been a long time. Um, And so I guess that span in between, I was like, where do I start again? We had changed parishes some point in in high school. And then once I got to college, St. John's really kind of was my parish. So I didn't really have that connection. Um, And so I was like, where do I go? So I started going back to my elementary school parish, Holy Family, where it all started. Nice. Um, And just kind of going to mass and feeling okay if it just, I was going by myself. And I think that that was something that also held me back is I don't want to do things by myself, right? We always make the jokes that girls can't even go to the bathrooms by themselves. They have to go in packs. And so now I'm trying to reintroduce myself to my own faith and I'm doing it on sort of on my own. And so there's that feeling of being lost and not really knowing where to go. Um, and so I was like, well, uh, I'll, I'll go to the roots and then I'll, I'll grow again from there. Between that and going to the daily masses at, at Malloy in the morning, I get there early so I can go to mass and then set up the classroom for the day for my, before my 8 a.m. class. Um, and then immersing myself in the consecration of Jesus through Mary. Um, I'm working on the consecration of St. Joseph right now. After all, my family went did that one. Um, you know, just really trying to dive back into my faith, even if it's the different aspect of faith, because I'm not really doing the volunteer stuff now, but just diving back into that invitation and accepting that invitation again, and then kind of seeing where it all takes me so that I can be a more authentic teacher, 
right? That I can teach the faith in terms of, right? I'm, I'm, I am sort of the role model of the room because I'm the teacher, but we're all in the same boat. We're all still growing. We're all still learning who we are. We are all still rooting ourselves in Christ and seeing where those roots bring us. And sometimes we grow and we flourish, and then sometimes that tree falls down and we have to rebuild again. We have to regrow again. Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that I try to teach to my students is our faith is a process. And even if you come in going to Mass every Sunday or you have zero relationship with God, maybe just something that I say can, can touch you so you can just start to grow or just kind of open up that door to maybe I'll think about going um, and just kind of seeing where it goes from there. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, first off, thank you for sharing your parishional profile. I mean, it's uh, it's so funny because, you know, when you first start talking and, and even Sean referenced it, we d- you didn't know that that's where it was going because it was, <laughs> Sean even said it perfectly before. It's like, listen, you went to, you went to Catholic school throughout your entire life. Um, you know, you were doing service projects when you were in high school, all the way through college. And it's like, oh, we're, we're going down a great road. And then uh, for one reason or another, you know, and, and I think we've said it every single episode, but we all fall into these lulls. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the lulls, I think, are, are longer than others or, or sometimes they're short. But at the end of the day, we all fall into them and to different degrees for sure. Um, but the fact that, you know, even if it was just just November, but still like the, the fact that not only were you, did you start coming back to mass regularly, but you know, you're doing these consecrations and, and, and really, you know, jumping into the deep end. It's, I think you said it perfectly. It's like, how can we regrow? How can we, you know, start to grow again? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, thank you for sharing your personal profile. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you on the spot, you know, if there are, are any listeners who maybe are going to mass uh, less consistent than, than they used to be, you know, what would your advice be to them in regards to finding the motivation to to come back to mass uh, regularly? That's a great question. Um, the tough love aspect of me is saying, just go. You know, even if you get nothing out of it, just go. Get back into the habit of it. Because um, there are still days, and I'm sure that everyone no matter how often you go to mass, there are those days where you're sitting there and you're like, I can't wait to have a bagel after this. And we're not really paying attention. And I definitely still have those days. Just get into the habit again. And then maybe one day you'll tune in and pay attention. Maybe the, the homily speaks to you that day. And then maybe the next time you go, maybe you pay attention again because the last one was good. Um, So kind of that tough love of, you know, just, start the habit. Um, I guess the softer side is saying um, it's the invitation. Right? And sometimes we can say no to the invitation, but we always want to try to say yes as often as we can, even if it is hard for us. Um, because sometimes in saying yes to that invitation, we're opening the door to something even bigger and even more beautiful. I think that's what some people are going to need to hear because I don't know if there are any other better words than just, you know, just go, just do it. Uh, we will have Rose on again for another episode and uh, we're, we're going to be diving into a topic with her. Um, but again, Rose, you know, Sean and I, 
just thank you so much for coming on and, yeah. and, and sharing your parishional profile. Um, for the listeners out there, don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at just a parishioner and facebook.com slash just a parishioner. Uh, every week we're going to be posting up a new question on our story. So connect with us to check that out. And we want to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify and uh, do us a favor, give us a five-star rating. And finally, if you have someone that you know that would be great for a parishioner profile, uh, shoot us an email at weareparishioners at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please pray for us. We are praying for you. I'm